Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. For the South Florida poet Dahlia Perriman, artistic expression goes far beyond poetry. Earlier this year, Dahlia was named the first poet laureate for West Palm Beach. The mayor asked her to write a poem that encapsulates the city's hopes. She wondered, what would utopia look like for her community? When people ask you who West Palm is, you tell them we are excellence, destination, location, and hood goals. But poetry is just one way Dahlia uses her art to change the world around her. Dahlia is a gifted muralist. She's part of an art collective called Street Art Revolution. She helped create a mural highlighting unsung heroes and icons of the civil rights movement in downtown West Palm Beach. Dahlia also uses her skill of performance and storytelling to speak out against gun violence. She's worked with survivors of shootings. She's lost people close to her to guns. So she speaks out around the state and around the country for organizations like Sandy Hook Promise to advocate for laws and programs to end gun violence. To talk to us about using art to make the world around her better is Dahlia Perryman. Welcome, Dahlia. Yay, hi. It is so great to have you here with us because having you here sitting in front of me gives me an opportunity to mention another way in, in which you use your many talents. Uh, you also compete in pageants, right? Yes, Cause correct. Because <laughs> right now we should paint a picture for folks uh, that's relevant because you are resplendent in a... In a, in a black gown with a beautiful sash that proclaims uh, Miss Black USA 2023, right? You competed recently? Actually, Miss Black up. Florida. Miss Black Miss Florida. Black Florida. And I recently competed in Miss Black USA and came in first runner-up. Wow. Yeah. So, but, so that ties into, let's spend some time with this, right? Because that ties into performance and, mm -hmm. and, and the expression of your talent too, right? Yes, exactly. So what is that part of it? The, the talent part of yeah, it? Yeah, the, the, the talent part of it. Like, what is it that that brings someone who is a talented poet and a muralist to also to also compete in pageants? Like, what is the nature of that that, that interests you? Um, well, I trained in all arts, music, art, dance, and drama. Mm. Um, so I had a lot to choose from. But uh, specifically for this one, it allowed me to um, kind of pay homage through speaking um, to the women in my life and my family. Oh, yeah. How beautiful! And what in what ways did you try to do that through poetry, or was it some kind of spoken performance? A spoken performance. Okay. Uh, yeah, more dramatic interpretation. Um, if we were to describe it in theatrical terms, absolutely. Yeah, we love it when poets perform on the show. We love it. So <laughs> maybe maybe after the break, we'll, we'll get you to get your. Yes, I see you wiping your forehead, <laughs> but don't worry, we're not going to put you on the spot. But if you're feeling it, thank we're, you. If we're feeling it, we can ask you to perform a little bit of it because I would love to hear some of it. Okay. Um, so, you know, T.I.L., as the kids say, uh, today I learned that uh, West Palm Beach has a has their first poet laureate. You know, in the last I'm kidding. In the last couple of days, we were talking about that. And uh, I'm curious. Talk to me about that idea. Like where where the idea of. Um, well, first talking about the, the idea of a poet laureate when you get, you know, bestowed this. Would you be the poet laureate for West Palm Beach? Part of that is is uh, they're asking you to to encapsulate. West Palm Beach, right? They're mm -hmm. they're coming to you with that. What was that that experience like? Um, I have to say, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was approached by uh, Rafael Clemente um, initially, telling me there was a little buzz in the air. Um, who is who is a distant relative of Roberto Clemente, the the old baseball player? Yeah, I, I know. know. Uh, I spent some time in okay. Palm Beach, so I know some of okay. the names connected. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I know him as a wonderful person. Um, he's been very supportive of me uh, throughout um, in, in art, poetry, and everything. Because um, you'd been working with the, he's part of the Downtown Development yes, Authority. Yes, so exactly. You, you've been working with him with like with the mural projects that exactly. we talked about already. It, just about every project that I've worked on in West Palm Beach specifically, he's had had a hand in some kind of way. Okay. Yeah. So so he was already he had you top of mind when he was thinking poet laureate. We this city needs a poet laureate type of thing. I I, I don't know. Well, so um, I was appointed by Mayor Keith James. Hmm. And um, he'd actually seen me perform in a couple of different locations. Um, and I think he may have mentioned something and somehow it circled back to me. And about eight months later, I was in the position. So, yeah. And how did that, so then, okay, you're the Poet Laureate. And so your first assignment is write <laughs> us this poem that kind of talks about West Palm, right? Yes. The, the official poem for the city of West Palm Beach. Oh, no pressure, right? No pressure. No pressure <laughs> at all. And you did not, like, whip that out overnight. No, honestly, it probably took me about six months to write it. Wow. Um, there was a lot of um, study involved in it. Oh, a lot um, of history. I, yeah, I was given a lot, by the city, I was given a lot of um, uh, history books, a lot of current history things going on in the city, projects that were being worked on. Mm-hmm. And and I took the actual time to study those things and prepare myself because um, you want it to be right. Right. Yeah. You want it to be, you feel historically accurate. I'm thinking of, um, of Zora Neale, Neale Hurston's mm-hmm. book, you know, um, uh, And Their Eyes Were Watching God, exactly. which there's this incredible scene about the hurricanes uh, that blew through the, the Glades area. And uh, and I know you mentioned hurricanes in your poem yeah. too. So there's there's some deep study there. It, extremely deep study. <laughs> was what was some of the stuff that you came across that really struck you? Because you know we we have general ideas about places where we live and what have you, but were there parts that really just kind of like you know really stopped you? Um, I think the thing that hit me first and foremost was that uh, the city was destroyed more than once. I always had it in my mind that it was destroyed one good time uh, because of the uh, hurricanes, but um, it also had destruction due to fire, which was something that I did not know. Lord, it's like the city that God destroyed in the Bible. Fire won't do it. Rain won't do it. I'm kidding. Don't don't send letters, West Palm Beach. I love you, West Palm Beach. So you that was a part of what you learned in it. Yes, exactly. So we said we we played just a little bit of it from your performance mm-hmm. at the top. Are there is there a part of it that that grabs you that you'd like to read a little bit now that would that that you want to read a bit, or we can come back after the break too and you can find a part. Um, that's that's fine. Now, okay, great. Uh, sure, I love um, it. This is this is actually the tail end of the poem, and it and it has some direct references to the city specifically to West Palm Beach. Okay, um, but I think some of the general ideals um, about being a good human being are in this portion of it, which is why I'm reading this. I love it. Okay. American Indian, Alaska Native, European, Hispanic, Asian American, and Hasidic Jew. All cultures, races, religions, abilities, and identities are represented. LGBTQIA plus is celebrated. Honey, do you. And if I left anyone out, Charge it to my head and not my heart. Anybody I might have forgotten, child, it ain't nothing new. Don't question where you fit in because you belong here. Baby, please know you are welcome here too. We are not division, we are inclusion and we're learning. We are not carrying forward any past woes. When people ask you who West Palm Beach is, you tell them we are excellence, destination, location, and hood goals. Let us not forget those lives lost to hurricane, weary pioneers, sick and native inhabitants, and the work of those who tilled the land. 
blacks and Bahamians displaced by presumed parties, countless innumerable as grains of sand. Those who resided in the sticks are founders and business owners of long ago, the ones who came before us and the ones we have yet to know. Yes, we have a bit of a difficult history. We acknowledge history's past, yes, it's true. But a moment in time does in no way negate the important work that we all have collectively been charged with and called to do. We are 100,000 permanent members strong. Be certain to hear every human soul here out. Fight for causes, not against people. If you've been fighting, let this here be your final bout. Let nothing be lost to division. We need each other in the best, most critical way. If your brother or sister needs a hand, giving him one of yours makes you no less a woman, a man, and it won't darken your day. That was Dahlia Perriman reading her poem, A City Set on a Hill, which was uh, commissioned as you were the first poet laureate of West Palm Beach. Correct, yes. And there's so much of that that you talked about having to do the research and, and find out those pieces. Are there, are there pieces that, that stand out to you that you were doing in your research, like little, were there moments uh, or kind of anecdotes that you came across that you're like, wow, that is a piece that, that's definitely making it into the poem? Um, one thing that um, is kind of a controversial subject is um, mm-hmm. uh, within the history of the city, there is an anecdote, depending on who you speak to, mm-hmm. about um, African-Americans uh, being again, depending on who you speak with, um, being burnt out of their communities, mm-hmm. meaning the homes were burnt down. Um, the reference to uh, presumed parties within the poem references the fact that different ones in the African-American community um, have been told that um, our communities were burnt down in order to build Palm Beach. I mean, those are those stories. It's not far fetched because those stories. I mean, that's the story of Rosewood, Florida, right? I mean, there's and stories of so many black communities across the South, mm-hmm. uh, even, especially small communities. You know, um, like mentioned in in, um, in Zora Neale Hurston's book. You know, that you talk about parts of Florida where that you know those those racially motivated things are part of Florida history. Yeah, right. I tried to. Um be very careful with how I presented it because, again, every story has two sides. And um, mm-hmm. just to throw this out here, I've also worked with the Flagler Museum. But let's just say getting your town burned down only has got one side. <laughs> that is the bad, it's the bad part. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is referenced in a lot, actually, in a lot of the history books yeah. that I received in order to do this. Mm-hmm. It is recognized as a, par- as a, a historical part of the city. Right. Um, but again, it this poem was about including everybody. Right. So that, you know, that does include recognizing that there are both sides of the story um, depending on who you speak with and it and it matters to both sides it's reconciling those things right like okay let's so, yeah. let's let's let's, let's um, acknowledge that these things happen and this yeah, is part exactly. of this is part of the history of this place it's exactly. not just uh, it's not just all wipe it clean and like look exactly. at look at our look at our shining city that kind of thing and presenting it in such a way that people are not offended by it and mm-hmm. that the conversation can be had i mean i think that's a large part of poetry and the arts in general just um, you put it out there mm-hmm. and let people receive it the way they want to. And hopefully it will um, provoke conversation. And that's the, the ultimate goal. A goal is as an artist in general, right? Exactly. No exactly. And you get into lots of different ways where you express your your art and your vision, like we were talking about at the beginning, about through painting and mm-hmm. through performance. 
Um, has it has it always been like that for you? Did you always find that you that you had different avenues where you wanted to express yourself? Like this is a poem. No, this is a painting. This is a you know a different way to express. Or this is a song. You know. Yeah, um, it, it's it it has always been that way in my life, um, and uh, I'm surrounded by artists in my community. Uh, you created a, a an artist community, right? Like you you, you were part of. I'm a part. Together. I'm a part of one. Uh, shout out to Karam Bowman, uh, Street Art Revolution. A former Sundial guest. A exactly. Sundial guest. Exactly. We're very proud to have her. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm surrounded by artists, uh, uh, poets, artists um, in this local community, many who have gone to do things throughout the state, U.S., and the globe. Our guest today is the poet and artist Dahlia Perriman. This year she was selected as the city of West Palm Beach's first ever poet laureate. You know, we were talking about the people that, that inspired you and just got, you know, just reading, doing some reading on your background. I understand that your mom was... Um, uh, a poet, an educator, and a poet too, right? Mm-hmm. She wrote. She wrote poetry. Yeah. You lost um, her recently. Yeah, I I just recently lost my mom. Sorry, sorry it's a little a I little know, fresh. But that being said, my mom is my poet laureate. Mm. She's actually the first person to read poetry of anyone else to me, and she was also um, the person whose poetry was the first poetry I, um, the first poetry I came in contact with. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So she was both the first poet and the first uh, performer in a lot of ways, too. Yes. In and, that way. And she, um, while a lot of people don't know this about her, a lot of people in, in Miami-Dade would know her as an educator. Um, What's her? What was her name? Uh, Matherine Perryman. Matthew Perryman. Matthew Perryman. Matherine yeah. Perryman. Yes. Because you grew up in, in, Miami, in Miami Gardens, In right? Miami Gardens, Carroll City, to be exact. Oh, yes. What streets? Give me the streets. <laughs> Give me the cross <laughs> Well, I'll just say off of 183rd Street. Okay. Like, okay. Off of 183rd by, Street. I was by the stadium somewhat. Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah my folks had a little jewelry store over on uh, Honey Hill and uh, oh, oh. and uh, 47th Avenue, Palm okay. Avenue. Yeah. So, okay. you know, I know the area. Yeah, I know very the area much bit. so. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, I don't know, having your mom, tell me about the poetry that she was, that she exposed you to. You said uh, you remember her reading poetry to you. Do you yeah, remember what she was reading to you? Uh, um, I learned a lot about uh, Maya Angelou through her, like a lot of the uh, female poets, the first. Um, the greats. Po- yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but she would read uh, Robert Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, and she would recite it and I remember as a kid I would like cover my ears and we would make a joke out of it like ah, I don't want to hear this anymore but ironically the stuff that she did that in that way with me as a young child those poems I do tend to remember and no I'm not going to recite them here <laughs> but um, I do remember them uh, Robert Frost would be flattered if you <laughs> read his poem here today um, but she's actually not the, the, the only one my dad as well he's not into poetry and he's going to kill me when I say this um, my dad was the first speaker. You know, I traveled the country as a speaker. Right. You speak um, out specifically about, about gun violence. Yes. Oh, we'll get to that. Exactly. But, but so your dad. He, he's, um, first off, he's the smartest person I know. He's a nuclear engineer. Lord. Yes. Nuclear engineer. Um, worked for FPL for many years. And, um, but he's also the first person I knew as a trainer and a speaker who traveled the country. And he actually spoke about um, 
uh, nuclear power. Oh wow! Yeah. What a, what an interesting job to do. Like yeah. you remember growing up going with them to some of those. No, things, I or? I didn't at, at that point. I I wasn't uh, a part of that, but I do remember him going through the process of preparing and stuff like that. Which he will be when he hears this, he will be bowled over that that is what I said. But it's the truth. But you remember that about I do, your dad. I do. And and what what struck you about it? What was it that struck you? Look at my dad up there doing that, or or what was it? He's. Um, very poised and again very smart like he would never let you know he's smart but he's super smart mm-hmm. and uh, yeah just the fact that he could get up there and speak to people and not be phased by it when I was little um, really impressed me you know uh, um, I do it now but this is a new concept for me this is something he did for many years so oh yeah. so that it's um, I, I always say that I'm more like my mom who's more introverted my dad was more gregarious I had to learn to be more gregarious yeah was it yeah. it sounds like it was like that with you like he, he was he showed a little bit of the lesson uh, on how to do that on yeah. how to be on it, how to express yourself our personalities are kind of similar I think mm-hmm. we're both very low-key and then we kind of step into the role when we have to mm-hmm. um, but he he did it seamlessly and um, yeah, I'm very proud of him. I'm oh, very proud amazing. of him. And so those two things kind of come together at some point, right? I come from a military family. Oh. A large portion of my family is military family. And I we had... Um, all kinds of background? All all, all different Army. Okay. Army. <laughs> um, uh, several members of my family were uh, were in the military, on, okay. actually on both sides of the family. And um, But there was a certain portion of my family that was stationed in uh, Germany for a period of time. And they, uh, one person brought back pictures of, um, pictures referencing the Holocaust, um, which actually ended up being the basis for what would later become my uh, humanitarian work. Wow. Yeah. I, I, what What was it that, that struck you so much about that, that it was, you know, your family bringing back, was it the was it in the photos or what was the what was the thing that struck you so much about that? Well, photos came from the uh, from the actual death camps. Um, oh, and what struck me about that was that a single person could cause that much havoc in a community. Mm. And um, takes more how than one. easily takes how, more than one. True. But mm-hmm. how easily it um, became, you know, affected. And it, the globe, it didn't affect just that one area. Everybody ju- was eager to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, and how many lives were lost. And um, to this point, how many people still deny that a Holocaust even happened, especially after seeing those pictures? And I saw them relatively young, you oh, know? Ageish. What age were you more Ooh, like? Teens? I, 12, 13, wow. I think. It really struck you. Yeah, it really did. It, it, that, that, was, uh, that entered a, a part of your worldview the part of your world that that hadn't existed really to that point not at all i mean i i think i always had an interest in um being a helper uh mm. but i didn't know what that looked like until it started forming um and it formed from things like that right. seeing some of the horrors and atrocities that are actually happening in the globe and for me it started big picture meaning things like the holocaust and genocide in these different parts of the world but then it came down to my local community as the the guns shootings and things were happening oh you you started to make connections in your own in your exactly. own world like that like we are having we're not a holocaust but we're having an epidemic here uh when it comes to gun violence yeah that that's quite a connection to make do you remember some of the moments that really struck you that were like this is this is a a, a horror that we're dealing with here that i that i feel like i need to be that i feel like i need to say something about um honestly it 
resonated within my own community and and people close to me first. So um, when I'm on the road, a lot of times I I say this statement, which is um, before I hit 25, I had lost people that I loved to homicide, suicide, and domestic violence all by gun. Yeah, the only common common factor there was guns. Yeah, but on top of that, um, when I was in my early 20s, a, a gentleman came to my house with a gun with the intention of killing everybody in the apartment, oh, and I was the dolly. only person in the apartment. Oh, dolly. So um, it got really real really quick. What was the back? Is just what was the background of that? I, I didn't know this man from anybody. Um, How old were you, more or less? Oh, 22, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, the irony of that is that happened on Valentine's morning on whatever year that was. I don't remember what, what day that was. But the the connection that came later in my life is the fact that um, the incident at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas happened Parkland. on Valentine's Day. Parkland happened so, on Valentine's um, Day. So that's, that's the connection for me personally and that what makes have, it real for me. That must have been really hard for you that day. You, live, you relive a lot of those that day, hearing uh, hearing about that shooting that day must yeah. have really brought up yeah. a lot of old memories. And and they were considerably younger than me, and I couldn't imagine being in my school and um, having that happen. Um, I felt, when I was growing up, I felt very safe in my school. I, it never dawned on me that there could be anything else yeah. aside from coming to school, um, you know, doing your classwork and having fun. We enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. They, they have to think of something completely different that I never had to think of growing up here. Right. Well, a lot of laws changed from the time we went to school. Exactly. Uh, that exactly. that made it easier for guns to come in this car. We've all seen the graph where they went up when certain uh, assault ban uh, yeah. limits were you know, expired. You know, we saw when we see those things. And, and it's terrible, and it shouldn't be that. And I, I see students dealing with um, adult concepts that they really shouldn't have to deal with um, because a lot of times we don't support things that um, could keep the children safe in schools, right. you know, like there should not be access to bump stocks or plans on how to make assault weapons anywhere. Right. That um, should not, that should not exist. Right? Yeah. Not at all. And, not at all. And you use your poetry um, to help survivors of gun violence, right? To, that's part of your, it's what you made part of your mission, part of your artistic mission, but part of your personal mission. Exactly. Too. I, I use it. Well, all arts, I mm-hmm. use all arts and not just with myself, um, I bring in when I can other artists um, across the spectrum of the arts to um, help engage students so that they can learn about anti-violence principles. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that works, when I what I learned when I was on the road as a traditional speaker and mm-hmm. trainer was that um, the kids just kind of stare at you, <laughs> just just look at you with deadpan, no interaction, no contact in any kind of way. But when you start incorporating the arts or their favorite video games or, you know, popular um, performers that they are aware of or have them introduce themselves and be dramatic. And, you know, I, I tell my students sometimes come in like you're Beyonce, like act like you're Beyonce and get up on the stage and introduce yourself like you're Beyonce, like you're really Beyonce. Oh, that's hilarious. So I, I notice when I engage them in those ways, they're they're more open to express what their fears are or their concerns are pertaining to gun violence and what's going on in their schools. It's a way, it's a, an icebreaker. Like you gave me to get comfortable in here. Same thing. It's an icebreaker to get them to open up. And what happens is naturally students start telling you about kids who are in school who are um, about to take their lives. Mm. They start telling you, um, I know this child brought a gun to school today 
And it's only wow. because they start trusting you enough to put that information out there. Right. So it, un- it, un- it unlocks this, uh, this, 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 the secret, so to speak. Yeah, big know? time, big time. So that's how that's how I use the arts to do that. I use the arts to kind of um, and and some very prolific local artists to get in there and just make them feel comfortable and then learn about the arts as a secondary portion mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully make them a little bit safer. Yeah. Tell me about finding that that desire to, to pursue that in the art, uh, pursue the arts as a as a career. So you know you're in you're in Miami Gardens and you're growing up and what have you and and what what are the moments that decide that you know that that the arts are really that you're exposed to in such a way where you start creating and and you kind of you know is there a moment where people where you kind of say to yourself and people say to you wow that was that was special that was something you know that really kind of pushed forward your desire to follow the arts. Um. First off, I'll say my first encouragement came in my household. Um, my uncle Howard was an visual artist. Oh, really? Yeah. What my, was his name? Um, Howard. Howard Simmons. Howard. Simmons. He was a he was a visual artist, and he was the first person, first artist I knew. Again, all these people were right around me, and I didn't 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 realize um, how talented they were. But um, oh, but it, it transferred by osmosis. You were getting I, I, it. Might have yeah, a little bit. Yeah, when you're bit. no, when you're when you're surrounded with those. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's far fetched. The kids that grew up with doctors, parents as doctors, you know, some have they think they consider that more than anything else. And parents, yeah. kids who grew up around artistic folks, uh, ha- at least have the arts as part of their language, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but I, I, in, within my um, schools, my early schools, um, Lake Stevens Middle and Miami Carroll City, um, they saw that I was very painfully, painfully shy. And knew that I had certain talents, and they drew them out of me. Oh, how did they do that? Um, things that you wouldn't even uh, even imagine. We had a, an earlier kind of crisis in my family, but during that particular time, I got accepted to what was then the Theodore Gibson Oratorical Contest, where I had an opportunity to uh, go downtown and perform. And um, because of the situation at my house, I wasn't able to go. But one of my teachers actually drove me to the first portion of the competition. Wow, that's and, something. Yeah, yeah, and my family later was able to take me to the final, the final, final competition. Um, but they, I, I remember, um, I got a shout out to teachers, Sandra K. Papacostas and Lizzie Hicks. Um, what, what schools were they at? Uh, Lizzie Hicks, oh my goodness, I believe was at Lake Stevens. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sandra K. Papacostas was my gifted teacher in uh, Miami Carroll City for four years. All right. And uh, Miss Papacosta, she supported all of my arts, but um, I remember things like her calling to calling organizations to see where I placed in a competition, so she could tell me, um, hmm. giving me opportunities to participate in things where I would get to sing or get to dance or something like that. Lizzie Hicks allowed me to um, also explore my dramatic talents. Um, and I also had my first mural experience, which I was drawing um, the state state flag for somewhere as a mural banner. Hmm. And she was a part of putting that together as well. Amazing. Our guest today is Dahlia Perriman. She's a muralist, performer, and an advocate against gun violence. She's also the inaugural Poet Laureate for West Palm Beach. So you have this background where you have these folks who are public speakers and performers, visual artists, uh, quiet poets that you don't know about, and that, and then you have these great mentors um, that that bring out these talents in you that are both spoken word, poetry, writing, and and painting. 
part of your back your discipline is is painting. You have some murals in what you have a, a mural that you contributed to in West Palm Beach. Talk to me about how you got into the painting aspect aspect as expression. Um, it, it was always there. I, mm. I have uh, paintings that I did when I was in first grade oh, that okay. where I look at now and say that was kind of advanced for that particular time, but. Um, the the murals within um, West Palm Beach specifically, I have to attribute to Karen Bowman, mm-hmm. um, who kind of founded Street Art Revolution, the group that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also had opportunities um, within like West Palm Beach, Miami, actually some some stuff out out outside of Florida as well in terms of murals and paintings and just showing your art somewhere. Right. But can you remember those times where you where you painted for the first time, you know, and people not for the first time, but those times where you got a reaction. You said, oh, this is more than just a a hobby. This is a thing. This is a form of an expression, you know, that that really moves people, you know. I'm thinking of a specific time. Um, My art and activism showed very early in my life, even though that I didn't know that was the direction I was going in. The first art competition that I won, I won first place, Mm -hmm. was in, oh my goodness, I think sixth grade. And um, it was in a competition in Miami Lakes. And I wrote about um, (laughs) violence against children. Wow. And it wasn't a a, a writing, it was a drawing. Okay. And... uh, that was the first uh, first art competition. I won period point blank, um, and my first publication was through the Miami Book Fair, uh, writing I, a poem there. I'm curious what that would that I mean that exposure. What was the, what was the the background for writing for that that drawing as a, as a kid. That uh, yeah, it wasn't anything you had experienced. No, in no, no, not at all. I, I had a very good family, so I I, de- <laughs> I know they're holding their breath. No, I, that never that never was a thing for my family. I just I I had a wide worldview mm-hmm. even at that age. Again, this I could see the connections now that I'm older. I couldn't see them back then, but they were eking out. What what helps with that? In other words, if if they're if parents want to make their kids a little bit kind of more worldly, more adept at that when you look back what were some of the things that helped open your worldview like that um both my family and the schools that i went to exposed me to a lot of things that were bigger than miami carroll city mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that i mean that's the main thing you can't you can't learn about things that you don't know exist um somebody kind of has to put it in front of you and they have to explain like good bad and ugly you know mm-hmm. you put it out there and um again you let the person make their own decisions, but you expose them to it in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned about a lot of these things in my own home, in safe conversations and in, you know, safe schools. You know, you just explore. Yeah. Um, or at least that's how it happened for me. Right. I'm curious how you then you take this um, this this upbringing that you have and all this knowledge and then transfer that to West Palm Beach. What brings you? To that part of town, to, to the to the point where you make that your home now, and 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 to be the poet laureate of West Palm, like what what brings you in that direction? I have no idea what happened. Well, actually, I have <laughs> I have the the Miami Gardens is one home for me. West Palm Beach is another home for me. I've spent probably equal time in both places. I have family in in West Palm Beach. Is that what t- what took you there? What what yeah. family was there? Yeah. Um. Well, first and foremost, my dad is there. Oh, so okay. yeah. Shout out to dad. So there yes, shout out to dad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's 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 how I ended up there. Gotcha. Um, but um, you know, both places are home for me. A lot of people don't understand that, but you know, both places 
raised me. Yeah. Yeah. What are the things that are that are different from West Palm to to Miami Gardens that you appreciate? You know that. (sighs) I, I don't know if I know differences. I, I know things that like really stick out to me. Yeah. Um, for me, Miami has like a different flavor. It's like just a mashup of all the cultures and there's, it's always vibrant and lively. Um, West Palm for me is a little bit more reserved, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of opportunities there as well. Just different types of opportunities that I notice. Right. Um, but both, again... I, I don't want to be any other place than these two places. Uh, for this moment in my life, I, I enjoy it. Right. So. In, a, in a lot of ways, there's still art, artistically, it's, it's, it's a, bit, a bit more open campus, uh, canvas, right, uh, in West Palm Beach. Tell me about that, the, like that kind of that opportunity to create. Well, honestly, a, a lot of my earlier experiences with the arts in general, I came back Miami. You know, we have Art Basel and... and Scope and all the different art shows here and Wynwood, you know, became a thing very early on. So mm-hmm. a lot of the artistic stuff, we actually had to come back to Miami to get to. Oh, but what what is happening now is that um, a lot of artists have kind of pulled out opportunities in West Palm and it's starting to kind of come through the ranks mm. in terms of being an arts destination. Right. Um, tell so, me, tell me. Let's yeah. start with Miami. Like, what were some of the things in in Miami, the Miami area, that kind of that were some of the big inspirations for you before you started thinking about West Palm Beach? What I just said, like yeah, for me, the arts, um, yeah, Art Basel specifically. Mm-hmm. Like for any artist, um, like Art Basel at that moment, and Winwood. If you're a muralist, like Winwood is the pinnacle of what you do in this area. Were you creating in Wynwood at that point? Uh, no, where I tell people where a lot of people did a wall in Wynwood, I did a floor in Wynwood. I actually oh, did a, right. a, a street painting in, in, in Wynwood. Tell me about that street painting. <laughs> um, it, I don't know why I did a dragon, but it was a dragon. Okay. And it was a live painting, and it took me, I think, like, I don't know, maybe 16 hours to complete. Wow. Yeah. What kind of? It's a good thing you didn't do it during rainy season. <laughs> Tell me about that. What kind of media? What kind of medium were you using? Um, um, and it, what was the street? What streets was it on? Do you uh, remember? No, no, I couldn't even tell you at this point in the game. It was, um, it was a, it was actually for a live event, so mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, supposed to be for anything other than that. But um, it was in chalk. Wow. On a waxed floor, it did not work how I wanted it to work. You know, chalk and wax don't mix. But um, I got through it and I enjoyed it. Oh, but that, I mean, those are all those are all the creation of the artist, right? Those are all moments you have to live to then things you learn from it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes you a better artist, too, because you have to learn how to work on work with different mediums and on different textures mm-hmm. and make it work because mm-hmm. you don't get paid if you don't make it work. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit about so then how that transfers into what you're doing, the kind of art that you were interested in doing in West Palm Beach afterwards and then now. Like what, what the things you did in Miami? What did that? What did it transfer into? What? How did that lead into what you were doing in West Palm? Uh, okay, when I when I first got to West Palm Beach, I don't know how this happened, but I think I'd started going to um, a few local poetry spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very first one, I remember going to somebody. I don't know how this happened, but someone came up to me and they gave me a listing of all the poetry spots, artist spots. Within the city of West Palm Beach. Oh, interesting. I, I, I got to go back and think about how that happened. But um, I took those spots and started going around. And it it allowed me my first opportunities to get into slam poetry and 
um, poetry for competition, art competitions. Um, I sang one or two places under the radar. Uh, yeah, it just it just provided opportunities that I didn't know existed in the city at that moment because I was new right. to the area. Right. And so what did that open up for you to be able to perform in all those places in West Palm? It, it opened up everything for me. Mm. Uh, I, I, I've, I've always had certain gifts, but I didn't share them openly. Oh, this encouraged you to. It, yeah. And this was this became the first open recognition of my talents and those kind of snowballed, people would recognize them and say, hey, you know, maybe you should talk to so-and-so. Or people started approaching me about, you know, speaking at different places and performing at different places. And, hey, you know, we'd like to see your art in this show. Um, just kind of Those are kind of thr- energy. thrilling moments, yeah, right? Where you, extremely. Where you go from something that feels um, uh, like a passion to something where it says, someone says, uh, you should share this with a bigger audience mm-hmm. type of thing. So tell me about what that leads to. What were some of the moments that you you know you start doing a lot of the poetry things? Give me an example of some of the things that you did afterwards. You're like, oh, this is a next a next big step after after doing something. Wow, like this. Um, I had amazing opportunities. Like I participated in a um, not just in poetry in, in the arts period. Mm-hmm. I participated in a Guinness World Record attempt in um, Sarasota Clearwater area. Okay. Um, with artists from around the world and the person who invented Kurt Winner, the person who invented street painting, period. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Um, I had a digital exhibition at the Louvre. Wow. Well, yeah. let's talk about each one of those. So I'm, I'm curious about the, that world, the Guinness World Record thing. What was the, what was the project? Of the project, it was a, on an airport runway, um, a literal airport runway. Wow. And it was um, it was showing excess. There was a, a, a gentleman laid across the table. <laughs> Sounds strange saying it on, on air, but uh, laying across the table, having eaten too much and, and reveled too much. Um, but it's an amazing picture. Wow. And that's, and, that's on your website, right? Yeah, I, I it feel is. Like see. It and is. That's, uh, it's at blackdahliaarts.com. And Dahlia spelled D-A-L-H-I-A. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that's quite a fun. So you contributed a piece, of, a piece to that art. I contributed a very small piece. I was probably the least uh, known artist. And like, I was there with some international heavy hitters. But what was nice about that was um, they treated me like I was an equal and they helped um, teach me techniques that made my little teeny portion of this stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was amazing also was that um, Mr. Winner, which just kind of gave me a talking about a larger worldview, um, kind of opened up my mind as well in a sense that he would teach us in classes and he would switch from English to Spanish to French to I, I never had an experience like that in my life. Kind of like a multilingual education type yeah. of thing. Wow. What, yeah. a, what, a, what a thing to really open up a kid's mind, right? Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. How, how did your family start reacting to some of these things, right? Because you're, you, you t- mentioned about your mom and dad and how pivotal mm-hmm. they were. Do you, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I do. I have uh, two, two sisters, Olivia and Shanice, and I have one brother, Darren Jones, who is trippy, triple Ivy League. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What does that mean? <laughs> he has degrees, three degrees from, yeah, three degrees from three Ivy League schools. Wow. Yeah. And how is this, like, as you start to assert yourself as an artist and you start having these different moments, and I want to talk about the Louvre too in a minute, um, how do they receive this, you know, this, seeing this success and seeing you find your, your voice in your art? 
I think cautiously. <laughs> um, was you your dad ever like, you should be a nuclear engineer like me? No. Um, well, I, there was a period of time where I was interested in being a biomedical engineer. Um, I wanted to design prosthetics. But uh, <laughs> my original career interests were in journalism, which actually been, has benefited me, um, and law. So... Coming with the idea of art was, you know, there were several conversations had to <laughs> to to uh, figure out how we were going from uh, law to art. But um, they were have been completely very supportive. Right. Um, just to give you an idea, my father was the first person who called me this morning to remind me that I needed to be in place for this interview today. So. <laughs> he is very aware. Yeah, he's, he's very supportive, uh, definitely, at this point in the game. It sounds like all your, even your interest, the journalism, the law, all play into then this intersection of art and activism, mm-hmm. really, because that seems like, I mean, art is not something that you hang in your bathroom. I mean, it's, it could be that too, <laughs> but it's, it's, art is made to change, right? Yeah, um, that, that's what it is for me. And, and tell me about that, about using, when you kind of focus in on like some of the moments where you said, I, I, I want to use my art for this reason, you know? Um, I had a very specific shift um, I worked at uh, the Raymond F. Kravis Center for the Performing Arts. It I was, was a theater Paul. manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a theater manager. I ran shows there. Um, and there just came a point where, and I'd been there for many years. I, I loved it. It helped bring me through the ranks there as well. But there came a point where I was like, I just really want to do something that resonates with my soul and my spirit mm-hmm. and makes a difference. And I um, I saw a posting for a job. It was a short-term job. It was... Um, uh, what would end up being Sandy Hook Promise. Um, but for like six weeks, I'd be working with students, um, telling them about anti-bullying, anti-suicide, anti-mass shootings, like the whole thing, anti-isolation. And I started doing, it was a speaking, you know, a presenter. I was a presenter. And I would speak to the students and, you know, that was it for those six weeks. And I said, you know, I did it. And I was like, this this feels like the right job. Right. And I went to um, my boss at the time and I said, hey, um, if a national position doing this comes up, will you let me know? She's like, sure, but nah, <laughs> oh. it's, it doesn't exist. The job doesn't exist. Maybe a month to the day that I said that out of my mouth, they posted two national positions that would travel the country um, speaking to students Wow, yeah. you spoke that into the yeah, universe. I felt like it. I you felt like it a little bit. You spoke that into existence. Yeah. And how did that change your life? Um, it changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything. I think it literally changed the course of my life at that point because the time that I came into it was a really critical time in history. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas happened in, in that transition for me. Um, the shooting in Aztec High happened, and I worked with them. Um, uh the shooting at the airport in Fort Lauderdale, that happened. Like all of those things happened within my transitioning. And it's like, it was that specific time in history that I was made for. And I was supposed to be there in that moment and ready. And I had to be willing to use the gifts that I had held for so long to be able to help other people. And, and tell me about how you did, how you did that. I mean, you go and you speak, but there's, there's also a, like you said, there's an element where you, you come off the stage, so to speak, right? Where you're working, like you're having like workshops, right? 
Um, well, I do a lot more of that now mm. because I utilize more of the arts now. But in, in that instance, um, it was a lot of just kind of engaging the students in conversations. Um, there were set things that we had to say, mm-hmm. but there was also a lot of back and forth with the students. And that back and forth, I really believe, saved a lot of lives um, because, again, the students were coming up and saying things that were actively happening. Wow. So I found out um after the fact, in a lot of cases, that a lot, a lot of lives were saved just in those conversations that we had. I think making the connection with students is um, was critical in that period of time. In what in what you decided to do next, which is become even more more hands on. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I I then um, I won a grant through the Department of State, State of Florida Cultural Affairs, and um, the National Endowment for the Arts. And what that grant did was I took um, the type of training that I did mm-hmm. and turned it into just like basic conversations with students, but also incorporated an aspect of the arts. So we'd have conversations about general safety, depending on the age of the students, you know, mm-hmm. went deeper, went less, whatever. Um, and we would discuss things that were going on, but just kind of as like a decompression you then had as an aspect of an arts that you learned about. So mm-hmm. I worked with... Um, uh, drummer Abasi Hanif, who did uh, West West African drumming, um, which was an amazing class to sit through. I enjoyed it myself. And I worked with uh, Jeanette Brown, who um, she does spoken word poetry and storytelling. And like both of them are just amazing artists. Mm-hmm. But I've had a bunch of artists kind of help me bring this to fruition through the arts. I'm curious what the first educator in your life, your mom, uh, before she passed, you know, what it was, you know, the common kind of conversations you had with her about um, kind of tips she might have shared when she was a teacher or kind of seeing you become an educator. Well, what some of that, some of her reactions? Oh, were like. Wow. She was super encouraging. I mean, super encouraging. Um, I'll be honest for a long time. She was like, you do not want to go into the schools. The schools are crazy now. You don't want to. <laughs> but she also, you know, taught me a lot about lesson planning and, hmm. you know, how do you reach the students and even just safety, just safety in the schools just for, you know, traveling and doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had she had all kind of ideas for just, you know, how you present yourself. How how do you dress when you go in this? You know, don't she's like, don't go in there like a slob, you know, <laughs> go in there looking like you meant to do something. And she went to dress, school dressed every day. I mean, like head to toe, just sparkling well you clearly learned that lesson because you are resplendent in your <laughs> thank outfit you today. thank you <laughs> you really are um in the last minute tell me a little bit about the fact that you know you're now the poet laureate you wrote this poem you know to kind of uh, set a vision for the city of west palm beach what do you what do you want to do next Ooh, um i have a very specific poem that i'm working on mm-hmm. um we're having a little bout of um, anti-Semitism kind of showing its head mm. uh, locally. And um, that's an issue that I want to address through poetry. Again, it's the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. It makes it a lot easier for people to uh, palate the idea of something like that and what can we do to help it without um, hopefully not upsetting anybody. Uh, so that's the that's the next thing on my roster in that sense. Um my mom's poetry has never been published. I'd like to do that during my reign as poet laureate. I'd like to get her book, um, which is a manuscript, out there as a published book. Um, so those are the first two things on my roster currently. 
Well, Dahlia, we look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much for spending the hour with us today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Our guest today was the poet and artist Dahlia Perriman. This year she was selected as the City of West Palm Beach's first ever Poet Laureate. And that's Sundown for Thursday, August 10th. Leslie Obaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio. And engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. If you missed any part of this podcast, you can find it at WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up next week on the program, can Miami natives afford to stay local? Alex Bayina is trying to find solutions to the housing affordability crisis in Miami-Dade. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.